0: Morning. I gotta say thank you for allowing us to come today. It's it is a real honor. I'm there's this watery discharge in my eyes today. It's been a year and a half since I or my family have been to an in-person church service. I've been preaching to a computer screen for 18 months, and so this is very nerve-wracking. Um, but yes, my name is Josh Bys. I'm the pastor of a church. Uh, that used to meet at Power to Change, but they sold their building, so now we're homeless, which is part of the reason that we haven't met in person. Uh, and uh, we're called Kingdom Life Community Church. We're a church of about 30 different nations. Uh, we're a non-denominational church, um, and so, needless to say, this is this is I've never preached to this many white people in my life. Um, <laughs> so I come from a place where it's okay to say things during the service. I realize that you probably won't do that, but even my wife uh, would say Amen if. If we were in a different space, but just to establish, yes, my last name is Bies, and yes, I am Dutch. I know it doesn't sound that, like, but the old Dutchman would say Bice. Does that sound more Dutch now? Yes. All right. So Bice. My wife is a Vanee, um, and so I just wanted to establish my credentials ahead of time because I like, I like to let my preaching help me lose my credibility. Uh, so I like to start at, at that place, but. Today, I'm going to preach a sermon today that comes uh, out of Titus 2. I've just entitled it Stop Recycling. Um, This is, I I feel very loud, so, um, but (laughs) I am loud. Uh, I'll admit to you that um, this is an amazing opportunity for me. Um, I haven't been to CRC church now since I was about 10 years old, and, um, this is a very special day for me, so thank you for having me here. Uh, let's just do this, let's just, I had all this whole introduction, it's gone, I don't care. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just, we'll just read the scripture and uh, get into it. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, it teaches us To say no to ungodliness. Oh, wow, this is not my passage. Well, it is my passage, but not out of my version. Do we have my PowerPoint? Thank you. All right. For the grace of God, I'm sorry. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. Amen? Amen. So this really is a, a picture of the gospel. It, it, it's, it, it already is a condensed version of the gospel, right? But if I'm being honest about it, we usually have an even more Reader's Digest version of the Bible, and it usually consists mostly of Titus 11 and 13, right? It, we, when we talk about the gospel, mostly if you go to the next uh, s- slide there for me, It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Well, what is the grace of God that appeared? Well, it's Jesus Christ. So when we talk about the gospel and we try to condense it as far as we can, we say Jesus Christ came right into this world. He died on the cross uh, to save us. Uh, from this dying world, right? And looking, and now we look forward to the blessed hope and the appearing of glo- the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. And this really is the gospel. So, not when we preach it, we say, Jesus came to save you. All you got to do is confess Jesus Christ, and then you will live forever with him, right? Isn't that it? That's, that's it. And, right, there's this great assurance in it, right? That we all know. I mean, we, 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 we declare it over and over again. There's this great assurance, right? that by grace we have been saved. Not by the things that we have done, but by the things he has done. Not by our goodness, but by his. Not by our righteousness, but by his. This is the great news of the gospel. And so today what I want to do is I just want to ask us, hey, are we really living this gospel out uh, by just reading these two verses? All right, and so I, I acknowledge today I'm going to challenge you maybe in some spaces, and I would ask this today, because I'll tell you what, I... I'm in a place where I, I have, we, we, we planted a church, 40 people, grew to about 250, I preach it back down to 40. I'm okay with not everybody agreeing with me, all right? But so what I ask today is that not that you maybe try to dispute me theologically, but would you go to the Word of God and would you wrestle it out with Him? Because so much of where we live is what someone has told us and not necessarily what resides in God's Word. And so I'm going to ask, I know it's funny, I'm standing in front, which is all uncomfortable for everybody, right? I'm not using the podium. I'm going to hold a water bottle with a name on it. There's lots of weird stuff that's going to happen today, but I promise this is going to be impactful if you let it be. This is how I'm going to preach the gospel today. I'm going to preach the gospel using water bottles, all right? So this is, let's just say, instead of talking about somebody else, I'm going to tell you how special the gospel is to me. I'm not going to talk about someone else. I'll talk about myself. So this water bottle says, Josh, not all of you can read it. You won't be able to read all of my labels, but I'll tell you what they say, all right? But this is me. Let's say this is me, and this is me when I'm born, right? Like, look at all of my potential, all of my value, right? Like I'm untapped, but as every good Calvinist know, I can't forget the tea and tulips. So when I'm born, I'm not completely spotless, right? I got a little of that depravity going on. So I'm pretty spotless, right? I've got lots of potential, right? I've been tinged by sin, so I'm not perfect. I'm unsealed. You couldn't resell me, right, at this point. But I got so much going for me, and you know my name is Josh, right? That's who I am, and I get, to, I get to find out who I am. I get to live this life and figure out who I am, right? This is—this is me, okay? But it's not really just me, right? Because it's not—I didn't name myself; my parents did. So I'm not just carrying expectations that I might have for myself. I'm carrying expectations that they have for me. So, I, this is me. I'm—I got—I got stuff from my parents too, right? And then, you know, I'm a kid, and my kid, my parents are telling me what to do. They tell me, you know, where I'm going to go and all these other things. And then, but I, I got lots of hope. I got to tell you, when I was a kid, I had lots of hope. I was an excited little kid. People used to talk about how they had to try to, you know, keep me. Like, I used to run out of the house, do all sorts of crazy things, right? My mom didn't know what to do with me. I had lots of energy. I believed in I could do anything. Really, I did. You know that silly song, I believe I could fly? I actually believed I could fly. I even tried it a couple of times and survived. But I didn't fly. And we, you know, we were going to church, we were doing all these things, but you know what? Something happened along this journey of trying to, you know, reach my potential. Some things started to happen in my life, and I'm not here to air all of my dirty laundry, but I started to be physically abused as a child. And that turned, then, someone else came along in our family began to sexually abuse me. And so, All of a sudden, there was a power dynamic in my life that was different. I I wasn't just what my parents said I was or or who I said I was, and I certainly wasn't who God said I was. But I carried, like, the labels that my abusers had given me. And not only that, just so you know, this water bottle started to kind of empty out, and, yeah, I snuck past all of your great security with a knife. But it's not just that these people could start saying who I was and redefine who I was. It wasn't just that. It was that they actually tore, like, deep into the center of who I was. They started to, my, my whole life started to deteriorate. It just couldn't hold the value it once did because I didn't actually believe I had any left. And, of course, you know, that just leads to this socially awkward and, 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 and you know, and, and, and almost dangerous, I'm going to put a little water on your carpet, but it'll be okay. And so then I start sinning myself, right? Sins here and there, and they're, they're poking holes in everything that I am, and, and it's not starting to look so good anymore for me. Who would want this? Who wants it? It's, it's, it's got no value left. I mean, what are you going to use it for? You can't hardly put water in it. It holds a little bit, you know? But, you know, then I get my own failures and I got to carry them with me everywhere I go and 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 this isn't there's not a lot of hope in this life just so you know and I'm thinking and then of course you know then my dad and he leaves my mom and all of us and pretty soon and he might just because what am I going to do anymore this this is me this is all I got So, when we read that verse, I'm sorry. And it says, all men, even men like me, who now is just completely helplessly addicted to everything. When that verse says that the grace of God appeared, so that all men. Even this one could know the saving grace of Jesus Christ? That gives someone who has gone through failure and rejection just basically kind of looks like this. You realize that? This is what Jesus came back for. Even me. That's an amazing thing. But i got to tell you, when you're this person and you get to know this, you're so excited because you get this new label, right? You're like, yes, yes, I'm not all of these things. I'm also Like, I'm Jesus's. So I'm going to put Jesus on a, I'm going to straighten up, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up straight. I'm going to put Jesus on me, right? And now, yeah, I may be broken, and I may be a mess, but I got Jesus, right? Like that, and... and but here's the problem, if you ever are this person right here, and just because I've lived this life, I know it, if you are this person, if, if all you hear is verse 11 and 13, then that means that for the rest of the time that I breathe on this earth, I just get to be this broken, useless bottle that's being held in layaway until Jesus comes back. And I got to tell you, when you're that person and all you've ever done is wrong, you want some sort of purpose in your life. I'm just telling you from personal experience, you want to feel like your life has some purpose. And so here I am at the age of 25, I I found Jesus, and I believe with my whole heart that he has saved me and loved me in spite of me, and I want to do something worthwhile. And so instead of reading any theology book, I start reading the Bible. And I tell you, I read the Bible. I have read the Bible so many times, I can't even begin to tell you. I just read it over and over and over again. And what I kept being confronted with was this piece of the gospel that I didn't seem to ever hear. It was verse 12. And when you look at verse 12, if you go to the next slide. It says that this grace of God appeared not only to save us, but to instruct us. That this grace wasn't just so that we wouldn't live eternally in fire and brimstone, but that so right now in this world, in this padeo, Greek word, this instructing, discipling thing, that I would become a disciple of Jesus Christ, that the call was not just to be preserved for that day in the future when Jesus comes back, but that there's something for me to do day in and day out. And Jesus Christ wants to do something with this broken bottle that will finally be of value. And to somebody like me who had none and didn't have a purpose, that meant everything It meant my day in and day out wasn't without meaning. And so when you look at this, it says, to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. In fact, this is the reality. The gospel never separates these two things. We do. I know we're all in danger zone right now because we we cannot be saved by works. I totally get it, but the Bible somehow says that out of our salvation, out of... And let's get a good definition of grace today. How about that? Grace is the things that we cannot do that only God could do. I can't save myself. Grace is the power of salvation because I can't do it myself. I cannot live a godly life. I I cannot do it on my own, but by grace... Through Jesus Christ, I can. That's what this says. This is the challenge, right? And I'm not one offing a verse here. In fact, if you look at John. 15. And let's just read this whole thing together. And I'm going to read some scriptures to you, and I know i got to get done here real fast. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me." I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Go to the next slide. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See, whether we like it or not, we have to figure out how to deal with these verses that actually call us to task beyond a sinner's prayer. We've got to figure out what we're going to do with the fact that the red letters tell us that we're called to something greater than just waiting for Jesus to return. We have to figure out why we don't even acknowledge these things as being there, because i got to tell you, this is what changes the world. The love of God being reflected through his people to others. This is what gives people hope. You see, if we're just supposed to be saved, why don't we just disappear? Because, let's face it, if we stay here, we just do more dumb stuff, right? Let's keep going. I'll read a couple of them. Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that you, they may see your, uh-oh, Jesus used the word works, good works, and glorify your Father who is in heaven. See, there's something about the order here, is there not? There is something here. Jesus says, you can't do it without me. But there is a call to do something. And then, of course, we, and this is how I feel. If you look at this bottle, I feel like that woman caught in adultery at this point, Right? Now, when Jesus later will talk to a woman, he'll say, he, he, the one who has been forgiven much, loves much, this is me, okay? But what does he say to the woman caught in adultery once he saves her from dying? In John chapter 8, what does he say? Straightening up, Jesus said to a woman, where are they? Do, did, they did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And he, Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and sin no more. What? No. He said, I love you just the way you are, now don't sin anymore?" And so here I am, knowing all the things that I need to know and yet wondering how I can be the person that God's calling me to be, and so I start to think, well, Grace appeared, right? So grace appeared in Jesus Christ. That's the ability to do things that I can't do myself. So then the Holy Spirit's got to be the thing, right? The Holy Spirit's got to be the thing that, that, that now gives me this instruction and this discipline to be able to do my thing. So what I need, what I really need is I need like a, like a fresh bottle of Jesus' spirit, right? Living water, right? And I'm going to take that living water and be like, Jesus, help me out. And I'm, oh man, I spill all over myself. And I'm going to pour all that living water back in me because now, now I'm ready to go. And you know what? At first it works really well because I'm like full of the spirit. I'm doing all sorts of good stuff. But before you know it, like all of the labels and all of the holes and all of the stuff, it all gets back in the way. And I retain a little bit at the bottom. But you know what? I'm not reflecting much of Jesus really. And I got to think like how, like, isn't that, I took the Jesus and I put the Jesus in me. Why doesn't it work. So let me just stop a second and ask ourselves, why don't we ask this question more often? And I, I got to tell you, I've been thinking about this for a minute, and it looks like I lost one of my labels. So I had a pen at one point. Maybe they're all stuck together because everything's wet. All right, here we go. Here he is. All right, I'm going to tell you I th- tell you why we don't talk about this a lot. I'm going I'm to tell you I, why I think, especially here in North America, we don't talk about this too much. I've got another bottle here. This bottle is Case, right? Case, Case Dutch, right? Because that's a pretty good name. This is Case Van Dutch and he's and just a general person. You don't have, you don't, but growing up in South Denver, I knew a lot of Case Van Dutch. And Case Dutch, he's got a pretty good life, all right? He's got a pretty good life. He goes to private schools. He does these things. He's got pretty of money. I mean, we, I went to private school because my dad was a teacher. Five of us in an 800-square-foot eight, bedroom house, we didn't eat much, just so you know. But I went to school with all the kids whose parents bought them cars when they were still 14, right? And so, Case Fanoduch, he's, he's, like, he's like all of us, right? So he's, he's, he's got a, he has to observe the tea and tulip too, okay? So he's depraved, right? He's not perfect, but it's not too bad, right? It's not too bad. And you know what? he's got money, and his family's got money, and he goes to school, and he gets a good job, and, and, um, you know, he's pretty much just who he wants to be, and he's kind of determined this is his career, and this is what he's going to do, and this is what it looks like, and he's doing just fine. He's rolling in it, right? So then, you know, he, he's got a spouse, so she gets to say some things about him, but not too much, you know? I mean, he's pretty self, you know, he, he's pretty self-assured, and, and you know what? He has a few occasional mistakes, foibles here and there, so to speak, but he's not so bad, so he's only got, like, Two little holes, right? And you know what? Just because so, he's being practical and he's being smart about everything, he just makes sure that he's got the Jesus thing under wraps, and so he gets his baptism and he gets his profession of faith, and so he can stick his Jesus label on there, right? And and unlike me, unlike me, Case still's got it together for the most part. I mean, now that he's got his salvation locked down, right? He can just go ahead and go through the rest of his life because really. He's got, he's got a pretty good life. I mean, he's got a purpose. He's kind of living out the thing that he's always wanted to do, right? So, what, what, what's, what's the point in verse 13? Let's just do what we do. But really, honestly, if, if, if we're being honest, I really think this is like, this is the rich, young ruler way of living. See, if this is the adulterous woman, this is the rich, young ruler. In Mark 10, what happens? In Mark 10, Rich Young Mueller comes to Jesus. He says, I want eternal life. Like, he wants to get the salvation on lockdown, right? He wants to get that, that thing checked off his list, just like we do, right? I checked it off. I checked it off. What Baptism, profession of faith, salvation, got all the checks in my boxes, and now I can just go on living my life with all of my, with all of my stuff. And so why in the world would I want verse, verse 12 in my salvation history? Because that would require me to do something else. But Jesus says to the rich young ruler, what does he say? Go, go to Mark, Mark 10. You can skip that. It's fine. Go to Mark 10. Yeah, I get, go through that. Mark, there we go. I was going to preach to you about the Holy Spirit, but you guys know he exists, right? All right. So as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit? Like, I got to get this on lockdown, man. I need this thing so that I can just go, like I can, I can let go of all my cares and just continue on my way. And Jesus, right? He said to him, "Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone." And he says that to him because he says, "If you're asking me, then you you know that I'm the one that can give it to you." That's why he says that. And the rich young ruler, he says back. Um, you, he said, Jesus says, You know the commandments do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all of these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go sell all you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Your salvation will be secure, right? All these other things. And then what? Do whatever you want? Follow me. Jesus never separates the two. We do that. He says, part and parcel with confessing me is following me. But we don't want to follow Jesus. That's this is this is a lordship issue, actually. We want Jesus to be a bumper sticker on our life. We want the card so we can walk in and then do whatever we want in the meantime. And then just keep leaning on all of our theological principles to say, that God God loves us anyways, which he does. I'm not saying that. Like I said today, I'm not here. Let's go to the next passage there real quick. But this is what Jesus talks about. So that's why we got to, I said, we got to deal with the red letters, guys. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and even wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. you got to be willing to give this up, he says. All, 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 I know it looks pretty good. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Cannot. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Go to the next passage. This is going to cost you something. Grace, it's free. Salvation, it's free. But it costs something. There's an exchange that's going to have to happen. He was saying to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. What is the cross but an instrument of death? You're going to have to die to yourself, he says. So it doesn't matter if you're this guy or this guy. It doesn't matter uh, whether it looks good or it looks bad. So, we need something. All of us need something, and we need Jesus to be our Lord. See, we have a sinner's prayer now, right? It's something like this. Jesus, thank you for coming and saving me from my sins. I accept you as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus. That's it, right? And we kind of, it's a modified Romans chapter 10. Is it not Romans chapter 10? Let's go to that real quick. But what does it say? The word near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith which we are preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as your Savior... That's not what it says. Jesus as your Lord. In other words, Case, Josh, not, not even all that, my abusers, spouse, nobody gets to tell me who I am, but Jesus. That's who I follow. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with a mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Confession, in that Greek understanding, is very simple. It's a pledge of allegiance. It's not just believing that Jesus died, it's a decision to live for Him instead of yourself. So whether I'm this guy or this guy, I've got a problem if I'm trying to live out the gospel like this. Because let's face it, neither of these guys can have Jesus as their Lord. They have too many other things and too many other people telling them who they are and really how we have to deal with this, how we have to resolve all of this, we have to decide what we're going to do with this redemption thing because this is recycled living. That's all we're doing. We keep using the same things over and over again and the same things keep happening over and over again. This is recycled living with a Jesus bumper sticker because none of us really want Jesus to drive our life unless he's a chauffeur so we can get rid of him when he doesn't take us where we want. But we've got to deal with verse fourteen, because verse fourteen, and honestly, all of this—if you go to the next slide—it all leans on this word redemption. It all leans on where we decide redemption happens. Rosen says that's where it all comes down to. Are we redeemed? Because we all know—do we all not know—by our theology that we cannot enter heaven unless we reflect Jesus Christ, the reason He died, the great exchange on the cross. Was his life for ours? The great exchange was my unrighteousness for his unrighteousness. That as he died on the cross, my unrighteousness was put upon him and his righteousness was imputed upon me, so that I become what? The righteousness of God? so that I can even enter in because everything else that I've ever done, even if I look this good, is filthy rags compared to the righteousness? In other words, I have to look like Jesus to get in, and the question is, and see, that's redemption. That's redemption, just so you know. Redemption isn't recycling. It's a whole new thing. So does that redemption occur only when Jesus returns, or do we are we redeemed right now? Because that's the question. We can want to wait until then to be redeemed, so we can do whatever we want, or we can wrestle with, is this a past, present, or future event? Well, in this thing it says, he gave himself us to redeem us from every lawless deed, to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. In other words, the redemption of God is for right now. So we have to ask, what does redemption mean? Because if we can't have Jesus as our Lord... Then something has to change. And I'm I'm trying to cruise as fast as I can here, guys. I know 30 minutes, man, that's tough. I usually preach for an hour. The Hebrew understanding of redeem is simply this: pertaining to an object or person who has been delivered from danger by being purchased from an indenturer or slavery with a focus on the relationship to the new master. Let me say what that says. It says, yeah, just preach the gospel. Jesus sets us free from the slavery of sin and death so that we're no longer lorded over by what other peoples have said or what we have done, but rather by him who is our new master. The gospel says that Jesus becomes the Lord of our life when we choose him over us. Now, I love this piece right here because it makes us begin to think about something. It says, gain or regain possession of something in exchange for payment. Brothers and sisters, we have to exchange this life. The reason that I can't just put Jesus into it or attach him to it is because there's still too many other voices telling me who I am and and damages keeping me from being who God wants me to be. I can't reflect Jesus Christ right now because I reflect too many other things. Well, what's the answer? Well, in John chapter 3, Jesus meets with another kind of rich kind of ruler, this guy, this Nicodemus, and he has this conversation with Nicodemus, and it blows everything up and it makes me understand what we need to do. See, in John chapter 3, it says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again. Oh, oh wait a second. Not recycled. Not patched up or medicated or kept until a day, born new. And I know we all just say, we'll say, if we were there, we would say the same thing Nicodemus said. He says to him, How can a man be born when he's old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? I mean, that's a ridiculous thought. And this is what Jesus said. He says, Jesus answered, Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying? It's really simple. What is the water? Think about baptism. What is baptism? You get baptized, what? For the forgiveness of your sins. What happens before that? You repent. You turn from the life that everyone else has made for you. You turn from the life that you've made for yourself, and you turn to Jesus Christ. And in that moment, you say, I will die to myself, because what happens? We know it. What? You you're put in, you, you, you die and you are raised to Christ. In fact, Paul uses the Greek word, oh, he says, into Jesus Christ, Enthusiade." It's a Greek word. It's a theater word. It means we get costumes. It means that when we come out of the water, we no longer look like this or this. We look like something else. We look like Jesus Christ. That's the exchange. It's my old life for a new life. That's the exchange. Let me blow your mind a little bit. John 1, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God even to those who believe in his name, who were born, what? Not of, the, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. In other words, not Josh born by his parents, not Josh by the will of men who has been you know, lorded over all these other things. This is not who I am anymore. In fact, redemption, if it happens now, is this. It's not Jesus fills this bottle and I hang on forever. It's this. This is the exchange. The exchange is, and it's a great one. Jesus says, You give me this one, and I'll give you this one. Not opened, but here's the difference no labels, no holes with a little lowercase josh, just so you know who you are, but really, you're me now. This is who you reflect to the world. And then every place that I go into, I don't reflect all of the things I came from. I reflect the one who died for me. So whether I'm this guy or I'm this guy, I don't need to be recycled. I need to be redeemed I need an exchange I need to start living a redeemed kind of life because the whole point of all of this is so that we can reflect Jesus wherever we go it's a question it says can I lay down all of my stuff and let Jesus take the wheel right that's a really great song But what that says is that everything that everyone ever made me—even the things that I felt in my heart from the time that I was born—none of them define who I am. The only one who gets to say who I am is Jesus Christ, and that means wherever I go, people get to know the hope of the world and of salvation because that's who they meet. I had a professor in college and once in, in seminary, and one said somebody said to me one time, "He just oozes Jesus," and man, I hope that's me. But this guy will never do it. Only this guy can. And you want to know something, I'll tell you something. I know I'm supposed to be done. This is why we have all these problems right now as a church, because we don't know how to deal with all of these gender issues and these sexuality issues. I'm going to tell you why we have that problem, because we, we continue to justify living this way with the Jesus bumper sticker, living out of all of whatever we were born as and how we feel, because we think that aligns with enough of Jesus' stuff to get us in. The reason we have a problem with this conversation and we don't know what to say is because we're not born again either. We're not reflecting Jesus Christ either. It doesn't matter. Like This is the whole point. Everybody wants to define themselves on who they want to be or who sin has made them or or how they feel. But Jesus says, no, in me you're who I say I am. So we have to stop asking this question, well, who do you feel you are? What do you think you are? This is what I see of you. The question is, who does God say you are? I know what you feel. I know what someone said. I know the things that have been done to you. But have you met Jesus and have you asked Him who you are? And I know this sounds like I'm, I, but this is not. This is this is biblical. What is what does Paul say? What does Paul say? Go to the next passage. I'm done. I got two slides up that said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live to my own satisfaction. That's not what it says. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. This is a really good exchange. Like, this exchange rate's ridiculous. I get to give up all of my junk, and I get this. And you know what? Just so you know that I know, that we know, everyone in this room has been saying this most of your life if you've gone to a CRC church. You just kind of skipped over it because it's uncomfortable. But you know what you've been confessing with your mouth? What's, is it Lord's Day 1? You've been saying this for years. You can go to that next slide. You've been confessing with your mouth the very thing we're talking about that you feel so uncomfortable about right now and you're wondering whether or not it aligns with everything you've ever known. It's right there. What is your only comfort in death? No, in life and death. In the now and the later, what is your only comfort? What is it that I am not my own? I'm not my own. But I belong, body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. My body of death has been exchanged for his life. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free. The redemption is now. From all the power of the devil, he also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair on me, Not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life, the future, what and in the present makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to what? Live for him. This is the gospel, all of it, even the uncomfortable pieces. And listen, I know, like I I don't know, what are we gonna do with grace? And I, I totally get it, I need my marker. I'm going to grab it because I have to show you, we're done. I, I promised we were done and I'm not going to be a liar my first time in your church. Here. <laughs> probably probably my last time too, huh? Okay, what happens, what happens is even though we get this, we're just human beings, right? And pretty much we're like, you know what, I, I, kind of, I do want Jesus, but I'd like to make the Josh the uppercase and I'll make the Jesus the lowercase. So he's still, he's still there. And you know what? And I'm going to kind of decide. I'm thirsty, so. And then we kind of fall into some things, and we, you know, we start leaking again. And Oh, boy. Messed that one up, didn't we? Brothers and sisters, let me bring you back to why this is so important. If we would just accept the challenge of living a redeemed life instead of a recycled one, if we would take the courage to do it. All the other things we believe are still true. What is that? that God is faithful, that he loves us even when we decide to take lordship back. And just so you know, when you do that and the next morning you wake up, Jesus is like, I got you. And then the next day you do it and he goes, you know what? I got you. Day after day after day, day after day after day, day after day after day, day, I got you. Oh, yeah, I saw it too. Give me that. I got you. Because the faithfulness of God is unfailing. What? His love is steadfast. I can't sing, but you know it, right? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. The question is, do we have the courage to recklessly run after Jesus Christ so that the world has hope, knowing that when we fall down, he's still got us? Or will we resign ourselves to a bumper-stickled, recycled reality where our lives don't change anybody else's but they keep us comfortable. Because Jesus is willing to make the exchange right now, no matter what has transpired yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I thank you for your word and for its truth. And I pray today, Jesus, that your spirit, God, will move in our hearts to move beyond conviction to transformation. God, there's only two ways this goes, right? We're convicted and then the enemy gets to make us feel guilty and shameful and then we reject it because that's the only way we can live with it. We just receive it and receive you and we realize that we need you and we need your spirit, that we can't do anything without you, but God, man, do we desire that the world would have the same hope we got when we had nothing and you loved us anyways pray that in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.